Hello, friend. On today's creativity chat, I have Jeff with one F, Afonso, and we're going to be talking about mentoring others. So, Jeff, thanks for being on today's creativity chat. Thank you for having me. When we were coworkers, one of the things that I realized about you is well, you had a big team and it was spread upon different departments. But what was cool was that they all felt like a big family, or at least outside perspective looking in, it looked like a big family. And one of the things I loved was you guys always went to lunch on Fridays. <laughs> I don't know what went down at the lunches, but everyone came back super excited and just all like super jolly. So at what point did you realize one team should, I guess, be a family? You know, when I think about it, you spend more time with your employees at work than you actually do at home. You're, you're nine to 10 hours in the office. And uh, whether you like it or not, by default, everyone in the office becomes your family. You have to learn to get along with them. You have to learn to understand them. And uh, you have to learn uh, to optimize each and everyone's day, right? So to me, that is what, that's the awakening that these, this is an extended family. And if they... If you build that relationship, you find that your relationship does not end within the four walls of the office. It even extends beyond the walls of the office. Like you said, we do lunches. Sometimes we just get together on the weekends, not because we have a lot of free time, but it may be once a quarter or something like that to build that bonding. You get to know somebody better outside the four walls, beyond their professional life. And that to me is, is very important. So they can see where I come from, uh, what drives me. I can understand what drives them, what motivates them, uh, learning upbringing, learning cultures. You know, in today's world, you, you hear a lot of, we have to learn cultures and all kinds of things. That's where you learn uh, a lot of stuff. Obviously, I'm from India. And 99% uh, of these people are not are from different regions of India. So I learned more about their cultures here in the U.S. than I did back home. But people can make an assumption that everyone has the same culture. It is vastly different. And so it's so cool and interesting to see eating habits, studying habits, the way they grew up, fascinating. And so for me, that's... We are family and you learn about your family every day and you don't give up on your family. So <laughs> whether you have a rotten apple or a good apple, you work with those apples and you try to make a good fruit salad. <laughs> a good fruit salad. That I like that. <laughs> did you have a leader who did that to, for you when you were working under that person's leadership? Or is that just something that kind of evolved from like a, a lack of having? First, I always say in today's world, you just don't learn from someone above you. You learn from everyone around you, right? You have to be observant and you have to look at your own self, examine yourself and see for opportunities on where things can be done better. If I look at you, I remember your energy, your smile and all those kind of things was like a 24 by seven thing, right? You were probably not happy all the time. You may have had some challenges, but you always personified yourself in a positive light. Those are type of things that I would take in a high stress environment and say, what could I pick from her? And this is an opportunity for me. Life is not just about learning from up, learning from all across, right? 
Because the way I look at life is today, we are all equally qualified. So just because you have a chair or someone is above you doesn't make them smarter or better than you, right? They happen to have the chair, but from a qualification perspective, we are all equally qualified. Some may be more, <laughs> right? So learning can be from anyone. And learning in life is through experiences, in my opinion, right? So I always sit and say, you know, if you came to me 15 years ago and you just told me the traffic was bad, my immediate mode would be, let me tell her how to solve her problem. And you were not there to solve a problem. You were just there to, to get out your frustration and get something off your chest, right? But now I immediately go into a, a mode that you need my help. But then I look and say, these become learning experiences for me. So did she really come for advice or was she just getting something off her chest? And so every day you learn from people around you how to listen, how to talk. You pick good habits. Yes, I've learned from people above me. I've learned from people on my level, on level below. And I'll even learn from people all across. The security guard downstairs is always smiling, welcoming you. Good morning. How's your day? Have a good weekend. That's the positive energy that people generate. So you learn from everyone. Mentoring for me is from everyone. If you're open and receptive to, to observe and learn. You talked about empathy. You said 15 years ago, someone would come to you and tell you about traffic and you had tried to solve the problem. And I think, I think maybe a couple of years ago, I would have been like, that. <laughs> like trying to solve other people's problems, but that's not, that's not the route. So it sounds like you've learned how to be empathetic in the past few years but when it comes to people in your life have you had very specific mentors in your life or what you're saying is just that everyone you're learning from everyone at all all the time my mentorship begins at home right so being prepared doing your work uh, preparation work ahead of time being competitive all these things start at home my mother would always say you know don't wait for the last minute to get something done because that last minute could turn into a nightmare, which creates an obstacle from you from attaining your objective, right? You could be sick, uh, something else could happen, and now you just couldn't do, you can't do what you plan to do. So all preparation was the key for her. And, and so it was drilled down in me. The second thing that she always told me is treat people fairly. She said, no matter where you end up in life, when you go to sleep and you put that head on the pillow, you should be able to sleep comfortably thinking you didn't intentionally make anyone's life miserable. And that to me were profound words because you can do all kinds of things to climb the ladder. But the way I was raised, that's not my objective. And when you say your team is happy, that's my objective. Are the people around you happy? Do they want to work for you? How long have they been working for you, right? Ten years. And these are type of things because... These guys are guys and gals, right? They can go out and make money anywhere. It doesn't matter. But the fact that they're staying with you means they're enjoying the work environment. I guarantee you more than 70% of the, the team can go out and make more money. But the tenure is there because, again, we are a family unit. We have fun. We are there for each other, both professionally and personally. And so that's, that's the, the, the my parents, my dad, my mom were the key uh, folks who who drove me to do the right thing. So those were my fundamental mentors. And then you have, you know, in your professional life, I remember I was uh, working at Telecheck and uh, the guy who designed the systems 
also would teach me on uh, instrumentation, how you instrument your code. Don't depend on somebody else to build instrumentation for you, monitoring for you. You take pride in your work and you're accountable for your work, right? So uh, even till today, I want to own, the, whether I have the entire stack, I want to own the end product from a pride perspective. So anything that goes out needs to be a quality product. And even if someone outside my team has done work on it, it is my responsibility and accountability to make sure that the product meets the high rigorous quality that we place. Uh, and so that ownership is it. And that's, you know, to come to your mentor question, I look at companies like Nordstrom. I look at companies like Ritz-Carlton. They own the problem, right? They never direct you by pointing a finger and say, go there. Well, now maybe things are changing, but you went to a Nordstrom, you went to a Ritz-Carlton, and I know these are ritzy places, but it doesn't matter. There are many. But these guys have that customer centricity and experience that, that you, you want your team to do. So if someone comes to me with a problem that's not in my area, we never pass it off. We say, how do we make sure that this person is not left floating and doesn't get the runaround? So those are mentors too. I mean, you learn from other companies and what they do well and how they own the problem. So my parents, maybe past leaders, maybe some peers and uh, outside companies. Well, one thing that I... I get a lot from my friends is they're always asking me, well, how do you seek out a mentor? How do you approach someone to say like, hey, will you be a mentor in my life? What advice would you give to people seeking mentorship, but not necessarily knowing how to go about <laughs> receiving that? The most important thing in life, in my opinion, is having that emotional intelligence and building the network. Through your network, you need to reach out and look for people who genuinely care. And these are the people you want to reach out to be mentors. There are a lot of people who are successful and made it to the top, but you may not want to adapt their ways of making it to the top. Again, it depends on what is it that you want out of life. If you want to fulfill whatever your definition of fulfilled life is, then you need to reach out. You need to interview people. Don't go based on someone's recommendation. That is your entry point. You talk to 10 people and find out who you like most on what yeah. they did to get where they want to go. Someone may come and say, hey, Jeff is a great mentor and I'm a cutthroat at all costs success kind of a guy. You may not like that, right? I'm not saying they're wrong or right, but I'm saying you may be looking for something specific in your uh, growth ladder. And so you have to find someone who is similar to what you are looking for, and then use that as a mentorship. So don't go with the first one you talk to. Interview them. Life is an interview. See if they're a good fit, and then request if they could be a mentor. To me, that's very important. Through your leadership, how has it evolved since you became a dad? <laughs> for me, it's uh, it was doubly difficult, right? Again, culture becomes a big role. Culturally, uh, we did what we were told, right? There were no discussions. There were no arguments. <laughs> you have to follow what is laid out for you. You know, coming here in the U.S. and having kids and you know, dictation doesn't work. <laughs> right. So you look at it and, and find out how can you best compromise? You know, earlier I talked about team and learning behaviors and uh, things like that and then adapting. Right. It's not a one glove fits all. 
you have to look at different things and say, how can I adapt to these situations? I have three kids and they're all three different. I mean, it is amazing. Same parents and <laughs> all three come from varied skill sets, uh, interest, and it's just adapting. And that's the key. Adaptation is not only in your professional life, it's also in your personal life, right? So technology changes every year. If you're resistant to change, you become a dinosaur. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a disruptive space. So you have to adapt. I was talking to someone the other day and said, what is your biggest career achievement? And I said, it is adaptation to change. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, systems is an implementation, right? Any technologist can implement systems. It is adapting to change, trying to be proactive, trying to find out what is necessary, trying to give, find out what will give you the competitive advantage. All those variables that you adapt to are key. Yeah. If someone tells me, hey, I want you to implement this ERP system, that decision what, is made. What is ERP? It's enterprise resource planning, right? So uh, people go and say, hey, I want a financial system. I want a manufacturing system. I want a distribution system. Once you have come to that point, now you just say, how do I implement it? It becomes execution, right? But mm -hmm. if I was not willing to adapt, I would say, I'm going to stay with my old systems. I'm not going with the new ones. Adapt, adapt, adapt. That's the key to success in life. I feel that in a lot of areas of life, whether it's on my end, a lot of people aren't using certain cameras now. They have gone to Sony's and Panasonic, Blackmagic cameras and different things like that. So I get that. If I don't adapt, I'm obsolete. I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's the only thing I can think of which is extinct. <laughs> yeah, no. A lot, lot of endangered species, but extinct <laughs> dinosaur comes to mind. <laughs> mm -hmm. what, um, what do you feel like you are learning right now? Just, I don't know, the past year and a half? The past year and a half is most important is patience, right? Because when you have person-to-person -person contact, communication becomes a lot easier. The person you're talking to is next door and you're on a Zoom call, it's extremely difficult. Your expressions, your gestures, all these things, they set a tone for your communication, right? But when you're sitting uh, on a Zoom call, it's human nature to be distracted, A. We've all been to school, right? How many times you actually listen to your professor? I mean, it's probably 20, 30 seconds of a minute at any given time, right? The rest of the time you're thinking, what does the game look like this weekend? Is Georgia going to lose to LSU or something like that? You're distracted. That's human nature. There's nothing wrong with that. And the audience is anywhere from 20 to 50 people. You talk, you think you did a good job, and people don't uh, <laughs> have really not paid attention. <laughs> so you have to repeat. It's patience. You learn so much and you learn to be so patient because you are ready to literally strangle somebody because you went away three times, right? And now uh -huh. they are like, um, oh, oh, okay. You know, it's like, you know, look, here's a simple clue, Chris. When, when you ask somebody a question and they say, oh, sorry, I was on mute. And it is, it is a common occurrence. I was talking on mute and that happens, right? Because you could accidentally do, but then they say, oh, could you repeat the question? <laughs> Right, They're clear telltale signs that the person was not paying attention. So everything that happens in this uh, work from home, 
with technology tools is driven towards making you more patient or you're going to get a heart attack. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you learn to pace yourself. You learn to budget more time. You know, they say if you eat white rice, it's bad for you. Eat brown rice, it's healthier. And brown rice tastes horrible. But after some time, the palate gets used to the brown rice and you're like, okay, I'm used to this. Uh, you know, then they come with some other color rice and you're like, okay, I would just get used to the brown rice. Now they say, don't eat rice. <laughs> you're like, but I just got used to the brown rice. I thought it was healthy. When you moved from India to America, this is like a totally different leap. What is something you would have told yourself now, like having experienced everything that you've experienced? How to handle stress. Right. So when we were studying in India, a lot of the books, the authors were from the U.S. And I used to be very stressed because the U.S. is the land of computing. Right. I mean, let's face it, when it comes to technology, we are number one. Right. Uh, no matter what, we may have competitors, but we are always number one uh, in getting out new features, products. You know, even today, you look at the Ubers and the Uber Eats and, and the Googles and all of the world. We are still number one. We drive the world when it comes to technology. So when I came to school here, I used to be very stressed out. I remember my first professor who walked in my class was bald and had a big beard. So mm -hmm. he was the image that I associated on the textbooks. He was the Einstein. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm going to fail. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was so intimidating, right? And then you realize over time, it's not that bad after all. That's just how most of the professors look, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh They're stereotyping. But it was a big beard, bald gentleman, just like the picture on the textbooks I was studying back home. So I'm like, this is not going to work out. I made a big mistake. Handling stress was the key. The second thing was food and adjusting to food, right? Because we come from a different cultural background, uh, no fast food. And then you come here and uh, for college students, almost everything is fast food, right? At least mm -hmm. now the kids have options. In our days, it was the cafeteria. And you ate what was served. If not, you go eat fast food. You couldn't go to restaurants and say, well, I'm going to have a good meal today, a fancy meal. So a lot of those things is uh, adapting to change uh, of lifestyle is uh, maybe would be handled differently than what I did when I was there. I remember I used to eat a meal at six because the cafeteria is closed. And then I would go at nine and get a burger because... In India, we eat very late. We eat at 9, 9.30, and we go to sleep. Okay. So when it was 9 o'clock, I used to be hungry because my meal was at 6. One thing from a mentoring perspective, irrespective, this is universal for everybody, is work on your emotional intelligence. Hard work will only get you so far. Uh, your network and your ability to showcase your work is going to take you places. Because a lot of kids, and I call them kids loosely, do a lot of good work but they don't have an opportunity to showcase their work. And it could be because of their personalities uh, or whatever it is, whatever the reason is, right? Not everyone is rara out there standing in the hallway showing their work. These folks should not be ignored, right? And it gets disappointing for them when they, when they get passed over repeatedly when it comes to being rewarded. It's not necessarily they want promotions. Life is not about promotions all the time. It's about getting rewarded Outside of saying, you know what, now you're going to be a supervisor, a boss, they may not want it. 
but they should be rewarded in uh, whether it's compensatory or whatever it is and it's very disappointing when when you're passed up every time and the guy who showcased your work gets recognized so make sure that you do your best to work on your emotional intelligence to build the network and to find a way to showcase uh, all the good work that you do and this will take you places it'll definitely take you places what practical steps would you give to someone in building emotional intelligence there's a lot of material out there I, in fact i did this just 3 4 years ago because like i said learning you're not an expert you're learning every day and there's a book called emotional intelligence 2.0 i think i went and got it i took the test and after some time i took the test again and the scores were uh, so much better and you learned so many things that it's amazing you know at the end of the day put yourself in difficult situations it's not easy again guys nothing in life is easy right you put yourself in difficult situations you uh, you prepare for what is it that you want to showcase understand your audience and understand what is the message that they would like to hear so network find out find out about their personalities find out what gets them ticking and then showcase your work to draw on their curiosity so now you become a part of that inner circle and that's how opportunities start coming out because at the end of the day it's like that good old mci like it or not it's friends and family your work will take you places but you need the opportunity to showcase your work well you heard it here folks jeff with on f has spoken <laughs> thank you so much for being on today's creativity chat um i just i always loved sitting in your office and just chatting with you so i hope that all of you that are listening enjoyed that conversation as well i will add jeff's linkedin if you would like to connect with him to the show notes thank you for listening i hope you have a lovely rest of the day bye you take care bye bye now bye.